Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our hearts with heavenly love inspire, your sacred healing message bring to sanctify us as we sing. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are made new, that we are shaped and molded after the image of the Father who is merciful. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are made to love anew, to love as God loves, to forgive, to forget. God has given to us a message of mercy. The portion of Scripture which you heard read from Luke chapter 6 has not always been used rightly, though. It's not one of those portions of Scripture that people tend to read the whole context surrounding. Rather, they look at it and they said, See here, it says, do not judge. So stop being so judgy, you Christians. But that's not true, is it? But this passage isn't just misused by Christians. It's also used by unbelievers to shame Christians for teaching the truth of God's word against sin. But this passage is about God. It is about the mercy of God and his abundant mercy to receive sinners and to forgive them. This passage is about God's love and care and generosity being way more abundant than any of us can actually receive or even hope to receive. He gives and measures by his own heart, not by our standards. If God measured our forgiveness by our own willingness to forgive others, we all would be judged and condemned, for we're not always the most forgiving and loving people. Thus, it is good to, at this point, remember those words that we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Hopefully you, multiple times a day, say, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To what measure are you using to measure others? If you use your own measure, you will be quick to anger, quick to judgment. But if you measure by God's, God's standard, you will be slow to anger, and you will have hearts of love and mercy. I want to be clear about something, though, before we go on more into that. I want to say this so that it's very clear to everyone what is going on here when we talk about God's mercy. God didn't look at sin and give the thumbs up and say, it's okay. Jesus, with his arms outstretched, did not have his thumbs up saying, yes. Sin is still sin. God's judgment was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. His mercy confronted sin. His mercy 
did not ignore what was just, nor did it pass over the just punishment for sin. His mercy fulfilled the just punishment by bringing the wages of sin upon his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus' blood that atones for our sin and brings to us mercy. That is all to say that God's mercy came at a cost. He didn't just pass by it without paying for it. God's mercy is that in calling sinners to repentance, he wished to give them forgiveness so that they may be clean and free from sin's condemnation. This text is not about doing away with God's just authority, which he has established to uphold his truth. This text is not an escape for parents from disciplining their children and rebuking them. This text is not an out for children to do whatever they like while their Christian parents look on in disbelief. This text is not an escape for civil authority to give license to all sorts of wickedness and call it good. Nor can Christian rulers, lawmakers, judges, or any sort of civil authority invoke this scripture as a defense for allowing all manners of wickedness and unnatural relationships to exist. This passage is about the greatest gift that man has ever received, which is the mercy of God to call us to repentance and to give to us the abundance of his forgiveness to cover all of our sin, to make us new people, to cleanse us from our unrighteousness in order to save us. When you and I think about God's mercy toward us, we first must consider those words that Jesus had said. Consider the log in your own eye. To understand God's mercy, we have to understand how great it was to save us, each of us. We think about how great our sins are, and in doing so, our neighbor's sins start to look like dust, that speck. They're not as important at the moment when we consider first what God has done for us. When Jesus had sat down this one time to dine with the Pharisees, you may perhaps remember this story. A woman comes in, falling down at the feet of Jesus with tears in her eyes. The tears wetted his feet. She poured special anointing oil on him and then proceeded to wipe his feet with her hair. Well, the Pharisees were pretty upset about this, that this woman who was known to be a sinner would come in and dine with them, or at least be at the table. In fact, they said of Jesus, they said, if he was truly a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this was who was touching him. Obviously meaning that he would not have shown her the time of day or given her any care because of her sins. But these legalists did not know mercy. They did not care to give God's mercy to a woman or to this woman 
First, because they did not understand their own sin and how far they were separated from God. They were spiritually blind. Having even the scriptures at their fingertips, they failed to see and to know the power of God unto salvation, which was contained within them. And so Jesus said to them all, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. God does not despise a believing heart. He does not turn away the one who is sincere in confessing their sins before him. He will receive them. He will show them mercy. He will give them what they cannot understand, what the world cannot understand. He gives them so much that it pours over, that their cup is overflowing. God is merciful. Jesus didn't ignore her sins. He didn't act as though they did not exist. He said, your sins are many. But he said they are forgiven. He didn't act like she was innocent or have anything to repent of. Instead, he granted her forgiveness so that her sins did not condemn her to hell. Again, we learn that man is only saved by the blood of Jesus. Her act of humility was her confession, and the Lord had seen her heart crying out for his mercy, and there he bestows it. There is for us a difference, which we must see, a difference between rebuking the sin and condemning the sinner to hell as though they are hopeless, a judgment that is reserved for God alone. The one who warns a person against sin in calling them to repentance should do so saying, cast your sins upon Jesus because Jesus saves and Jesus has saved you. This is what the woman had done. She had cast her sin on Jesus and Jesus saved. But I want you to think about this. The person who speaks out saying this, that they will not rebuke sinners because Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And to the one who says, I will not stand up against the wicked in the public square because Jesus says, condemn not lest you be condemned. They do so because they do not understand this text. And in saying those things or refusing to stand against sin is also a refusal to speak the gospel. If you cannot call sinners to repentance, how will they ever receive the mercy of God? To refuse to speak against sin is also to refuse to speak the gospel. If there is not a call to repentance, there can be no gift of mercy, because mercy is the giving of what is not deserved. 
And if we have deserved God's favor, then it can no longer be called mercy. So if one will not judge what is good and what is evil, each according to their vocation, or as they have opportunity, how can they also then claim to share the love of God? They can't. If you will not stand by truth and justice, by warning them against the wages of sin, you shall also show a hatred toward your neighbor. Since you don't wish them to also share with you in the blood of Jesus that reconciles. The blood that atones for our sins. You see, I find that the ones who refuse to rebuke sin also do not believe their sins are very great. They do not remember God's own mercy toward them to save them from certain death in hell. And so they think little of offering God's mercy to their neighbor. And so they don't rebuke wickedness, nor do they say there is the gift of forgiveness. You may remember a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Ezekiel. He had a very hard and difficult task. One of the great prophets that really was not well received. But the Lord God said to Ezekiel, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the words of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if they do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at thine hand. The Lord goes on. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. The pastors of the church, even, like I said, parents in their own authority, civil leaders that are Christians, cannot stand by without giving warning to what is sinful in the sight of God. If we do so, we do not actually care about what Jesus has done. So we should repent of that. I mean, we could all say, I leave them to themselves and in their own sin, but that is almost wishing them to be condemned to hell, is it not? Is not the wages of sin death. So now whether or not they are found in heaven, I want to make clear, does not depend on your evangelism or what you have failed to do. If they are one of God's elects, he will, he will sure to call them by the gospel. But it is in us to be careful not to fall off one side of the horse or the other. We Christians should meditate on this word. We can, as Christians, fall off the horse on both sides, making wrong use of this passage. On the one side, a person falls toward always seeing and speaking their neighbor's sins and condemning them to hell without any hope in the gospel. That's not a good place to be. Because that person does not remember God's own mercy, which he himself has received. But on the other side of the horse is the one who refuses to see evil and wickedness in this world and to rebuke it, to say that this is not good. 
according to God's word. But the one who refuses to do so because, well, that isn't very nice, even though it is within their vocation to do so, that person, too, has fallen off the horse. Because knowing it or not, they have not shown love to their neighbor, since they cannot then offer the forgiveness of God. True love is this. True love is the mercy of God to receive all kinds of sinners and to show them what Christ has done for their sins. To preach, to teach rightly that God has commanded repentance go forth into all the world. And following that call to repentance is the proclamation that their sins are forgiven for the sake of Jesus' blood and righteousness. True love of Christians directs all sinners, first yourself and then your neighbor, to put your sins on Jesus and to by faith trust in Jesus to wash all your sins away. When we live under the mercy of what Jesus has done on the cross, then and only then can you and I show the great genuine mercy of God to all people, for all people need it. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.